whilst we're waiting for other people to join the space, I've got a little segment called Warm Up News. So rather than sit here in silence whilst we wait for others to join the space, I'm just going to reel off a few bits of news from around the football world since the last show. So firstly, Vinny Jr. has been racially abused yet again during the game between Valencia and Real Madrid. I think it's like the ninth time this season that it's happened. So let's hope he gets fed up with La Liga and comes to showcase his skills in the Premier League. But where would he go? Secondly, Juventus have been docked more points for something to do with transfers. I swear they're the most corrupt club in Europe. They've got, they got docked 15 points earlier this season as well, but managed to blag their way out of that somehow. And now they've been hit with another points deduction. There's a six-part documentary on Netflix called Bad Sport. And one of the episodes is called Football Gate which details how the sporting director of Juventus influenced refs back in 2005, not just for the Juventus games, but for the games of his rivals. It's crazy some of the decisions that were made, so give that a watch if you're bored. Thirdly, it went right down to the wire at the weekend in the Women's Super League in Scotland. Celtic were winning 2-0 and going to lift the title. But then Glasgow City scored in the 92nd minute in their game to win 1-0 and steal the title away from Celtic. So being the curious cat that I am, I went and had a look at the league table and found that the team at the bottom of the league lost all 32 games and finished on zero points. They only, they only scored nine goals and conceded 150, which is like losing every game 5-0. Bad times for them. Lastly, a little bit of crypto history for you. On the 22nd of May, which was Monday, is known as Bitcoin Pizza Day. It's called this because on the 22nd of May, back in 2010, the first real-world transaction purchase was made using Bitcoin. A developer called Laszlo posted on a forum that he'd send someone 10,000 Bitcoins if they had two large pizzas delivered to his house. A guy called Jeremy took him up on his offer and rang Papa John's and ordered the pizzas. They arrived at Laszlo's house and he stayed true to his word and sent Jeremy 10,000 bitcoins. At the time, 10,000 bitcoins were worth around 33 quid. At today's price, they're worth around 216 million pounds. <laughs> I wonder what Jeremy did with all those bitcoins. My first Twitter space last week was a huge success with it being listened to over 2,000 times. I really appreciate the numerous messages I received saying how much people love the content, which has led me to go live again tonight. I've decided to make this show a regular occurrence for the foreseeable future and therefore needed to give it a brand. So welcome to the second episode of the Stocks FC Files. I've called it this because I want to build up a library of content for new and old people in the community to listen to. So with it now being a regular show, it needs a structure and this is how it's going to go. Firstly, whilst we wait a couple of minutes for everyone to join the space, rather than sit in silence, I'm going to give you the warm up news, which is the segment you may or may not have just heard at the start of this show. It's just random bite-sized bits of news from around the football and maybe crypto world to entertain you for a couple of minutes. 
We'll then kick the show off with a quick intro and the usual disclaimers, which is what's happening right now. Next will be the updates from the last space segment. This may or may not happen, depending on whether I've got anything to tell you. For example, this week I can tell you that Alex messaged me after the last show to clarify that how they use the staking funds will be public knowledge, which is great to hear. Obviously, the staking wallet doesn't have much money in it yet, so there's no solid plan for how they'll use the funds. They've got a good idea, but until they get to the point where the staking wallet is large enough to make some moves, then this isn't one of their primary focuses at the moment. Personally, I would hazard, I would hazard a guess at somewhere between 6 and 12 months before they start making moves with the staking wallet. Because if you play with peanuts, you end up with monkeys. So until the wallet is large enough to return a decent yield, we won't hear much on that front. Also, in the last show, I stated that Stocks FC is a gambling product, which is not correct. And Alex has pulled me up on that during the week. The business sees it as a crypto play-to-earn product, and they are looking at ways to become regulated. It's most likely they will go down the crypto exchange licensing route. After all, there's more similarities to a stock market stock market exchange app in the sense that you're buying an asset. If that asset performs well, then you're rewarded with a form of dividend. The product is more comparable to something like Trading212. You know, the assets you are buying are tokens. You're not placing a bet because there's no expiry on your purchases Um, And you're playing a game, you're building a portfolio in the hope your skills bring you lots of rewards. One last thing that's been updated since my last show is the fact that the Stocks FC market cap has gone live. If you click the SFMC button on the website, you'll get some decent information relating to the overall market cap of the platform. Right. Once the updates from the last so, last show segment are out of the way, then we'll move on to the chit-chat files. In this segment of the show, I'm going to give you bits of gossip I've heard on the Stocks FC grapevine. It may or may not be true, but don't shoot the messenger, and I'll try to keep the info as solid as possible. But that's why it's called the chit-chat files, because it's made up of chit-chat. Next up will be the Super Stats segment. This part of the show will be where I reel off a bunch of stats from the world of Stocks FC and you'll get a taste of my sexy spreadsheets. Once all that stuff is out of the way, then it's on to the main part of the show. This will either be me trying my best to offer the audience some sort of education, as I know a lot of you don't have a crypto background or don't understand how parts of the Stocks FC ecosystem works. If it's not an educational show, then it'll be a show where I've got a special guest on who and who knows what the subject will be. The element of surprise will hopefully keep you all coming back week after week. If any of you feel you have value to add and would like to be one of my guests, then hit me up in the DMs and we'll discuss it. There's plenty of you out there whose opinion I respect. You talk a lot of sense and you're already seen as valued members of this community. So don't be shy and give me a shout. Once the main part of the show is out of the way, then we'll move on to the next IPO segment. 
Yes, folks, Alex was so impressed with my content last time out that he said I can have a name of one of the IPOs that will be released the following week, which is why the Stocks FC files is going to be one of the best places to get your Stocks FC fix. Once I've got that part of the show out of the way, then I'm hoping you don't all bugger off because I considered putting the IPO stuff at the end. But I think the next segment where I open up the floor to anyone who wants to come up and speak, um, you know, the subject of the next IPO might be a good topic of discussion. So the floor will then be open. Everyone can come up and speak, have a chat. And when we run out of things to talk about or we're approaching my duration deadline for the show, which is going to be two hours, then I'll start wrapping things up with my closing thoughts. The shows will be sporadic and won't have a set day or time, although they'll most likely take place towards the end of the week between the hours of 7pm and 10pm, unless I decide to bless you with my presence during the weekend, which is unlikely because I'll probably be laying on the sofa watching football hoping my 25-team accumulator comes in. Lastly, it's well worth you downloading the Medium app. I put a lot of my content on there, and I've already got six Stocks FC articles for people to read. It's much better using the app, so download it, and it's free to create an account, and I've not bothered putting the Stocks FC articles behind the paywall. So they're free for everyone to read. However, if you do decide to sign up to Medium because you like reading, then make sure you use my referral link, which you can find at the bottom of all the articles. Okay, so the intro was a bit longer today as I wanted to make you all aware of where I'm at with producing content about Stocks FC and give you an idea of the format and how it's going to work. So obviously I've got no affiliation with Stocks FC. I'm just doing this as a hobby and you know I love the product so we need some content in the community which is why I decided to do this right let's crack on then so that means up next is the chit chat files okay folks this part of the show is called the chit chat files this is gossip I've heard from around the world of stocks FC since the last show it may or may not be true but whatever you do don't shoot the messenger as I'm merely here to share what I've heard and I'll try my best to keep the info as solid as possible. So, apparently, in the next website update, the live IPO will be at the top of the list rather than the bottom, and the upcoming IPOs will be in date order. Stocks FC is getting all colour coordinated. The backgrounds of each player will be grouped according to their position. So, it might be a blue background for attackers, green for midfielders, and purple for, uh, purple for defenders. Talking of player positions, I believe all positions will be locked until the end of next season. A player's position will be re-evaluated at the end of each season in preparation for the new season. I read some important stuff from Alex regarding the scoring matrix. He confirmed that only goalkeepers and defenders get the minus four points for a goal conceded. Points are added on a team basis. So if your player gets subbed off in the 75th minute whilst his team is winning 1-0 and then it ends 1-1, all players from that team will lose the win bonus regardless of whether they're still on the pitch or not. Same applies for clean sheet bonus. As I know, a lot of you will come from an FPL background, which is the opposite in the sense if a player goes off whilst the team 
has a clean sheet, then those clean sheet points get locked in on FPL, but that's not the case on Stocks FC. He also confirmed the players will get 20 points for a clean sheet and 20 points for a win, regardless of how many minutes they play. So my defender getting subbed on in the 87th minute is going to pick up 40 points if their team is currently winning 2-0 and the game ends like that. To clarify, only golf, goalkeepers and defenders get the clean sheet points. All positions get the winning team points. I'm sure Alex will publish a new shiny matrix very, very soon, which I hope has all these sorts of things clarified at the bottom of it. Hell, I might even design one myself and send it to him. Our friend, Greek Trader, who I'm going to call Nick the Greek from now on because Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels is one of my favourite films, posted some stats once the Edison IPO had finished. He reckons if the Team of the Week wallet is sitting at 250k by the start of the season, then rewards will be 1k per player, which would see Edison bag 17p per share in rewards, which is a 16% ROI. Let's see if his maths is correct. Nick the Greek has been putting out some great stats over the last few weeks, so keep up the good work. Right, that's the gossip out of the way, so let's move on to the facts, as it's time for Super Stats. The platform currently has 1,695 registered accounts. There's been eight players IPO'd onto the platform so far. Currently, Harry Kane has the biggest supply, sitting at 31,694. Edison has the smallest supply, sitting at 6,600. There's been a total of 144 stocks burnt to date, which is an increase of, I don't know, since my last show, because obviously this is the first time I'm doing it, but I'll be working out how many stocks have been trading on the transfer market roughly, so that'll be in the next show. The biggest percentage of a supply burnt to date goes to Gabriel Jesus with 0.33. The smallest percentage of a supply burnt to date goes to Rashford with 0.02. We've seen a total of 100,246 stocks IPO'd since the inception of the platform. Okay, folks, that's your stats fix out of the way for this week, so let's move on. Right, welcome to the main part of the show. This week, it's an educational piece because I know, of lot, I know a lot of you who are getting into Stocks FC don't come from a crypto background. Even those who are into crypto might learn something tonight because I'm going to teach you what I think is the best way and easiest way to track your Stocks FC investment. Trust me, folks, you'll thank me for this in a couple of years' time when others haven't got a clue where they're at with their investment, yet you'll know exactly what all your figures are and it'll make it very easy for you to make decisions as to how much to cash out and when. So don't bother following these steps now as I'm reading them. I've written an eight-step guide to action, everything I'm going to talk about in your own time. So for now, just listen up and understand why we're doing what we're doing. The guide is the sixth article in my Stocks FC series and it will be found in the comments section of this space and in the community content section of the Discord server and on my Medium profile. 
Okay, so the main objective is to know exactly how much ETH you have deposited into Stocks FC platform and how much those deposits have cost you in Great, great British Pounds, including all the fees you've had to pay. Once you have this information logged, it's then very easy to see how well you've done in terms of how much you've increased your stash of ETH. It's also very easy to then convert those figures into Great British Pounds so you know exactly how much profit you've made in Great British Pounds. This figure is always going to be changing as the value of Ethereum changes. So by following my methods, you just need to spend a couple of minutes doing what I'm about to teach you and bang, you'll know exactly where you're at with your figures in ETH and in Great British Pounds. So step one, collecting your deposit data. The first thing you need to do is go to your online banking and log your stocks FC deposits. Write them down on a bit of paper with the date of each deposit and the amount of Great British Pounds that left your bank account. You now need to go to Stocks FC and log how much Ethereum landed in your account for each deposit you made. You find this by going to your Stocks FC account, clicking on profile and then settings. Here you will see your deposit history and there's an ETH amount figure for each deposit you made. By doing it this way, we can take into account all the fees you've paid and you don't have to faff about working all that stuff out. Brilliant. So you've got your bit of paper and this is something you always want to hold on to and have as a backup and update each time you make a deposit. So step two, you need to download CoinGecko. So go to the App Store and download the CoinGecko app. It's got a green background with a yellow sun and a gecko head in the middle of it. Step three, creating and setting up your account. Once the app has been downloaded, click on the portfolio section and you'll see an option to sign up for an account. Don't worry, it's totally free to use and one of the best in the crypto space for tracking your portfolio. Create an account and once you've done that, make sure you go back to the app and sign in. After you've created the account, it'll open a web page and prompt you to sign in there, which is pointless. So make sure you go back to the app and sign in. Once you're signed in on the app, make sure you log your username and password on your bit of paper. I can't stress how important it is that you log all your data correctly for stuff in the crypto world and never lose it. Bottom right on the app, you'll see a more button. Press that and you want to turn dark mode on because it's much easier on the eye. You want to set your primary currency to Great British Pounds and your secondary currency to USD. Also, where it says default start screen, you want to change that to portfolio. So every time you open the app, it takes you straight to your portfolio. Now, obviously, if you're not based in the UK, you want to set your primary currency to whatever your primary currency is. Now you've sorted all the settings out, you want to totally close down the app by swiping up to get rid of it and then open it up again. Hit the more button and make sure all the settings are correct before you move on to the next bit. Sometimes CoinGecko, it just randomly changes the settings back for some, some reason. So check that before you move on. Right, step four, add in Ethereum to your portfolio. In your portfolio, there's two options up the top called watch list mode and portfolio mode. You always want to use portfolio mode. So select that and then hit the plus symbol in the top right corner and it will give you a search function. Search for Ethereum and when Ethereum appears on the list, hit the star symbol so it turns green for Ethereum. 
Now press the back arrow in the top left and you should see the Ethereum, you should see Ethereum is now a coin in your portfolio. Now, I can't stress enough, folks, how important it is that you never unstar Ethereum from your portfolio. If you do, it will remove all the transactions you've added and it will warn you of this before you do it. So just remember, don't ever unstar it. Step five, adding your transactions. So in your portfolio, you'll see you've got one coin, which is Ethereum. On the right hand side of that row, you'll see a plus symbol. So hit that, which takes you to the add transaction screen. On the right side, you'll see it says total spent in green writing. And underneath, it should say Great British Pounds. If it doesn't say Great British Pounds, then you need to go to the more section and sort out your currency settings. So. The important thing to remember here is that every single time you add a transaction, you must flick the total spent to the left hand side where it says total spent in green writing. If you tap on that, you'll see it flicks over to the left hand side of the screen. Once you've done that, you're ready to add your first transaction. So in the top section where it says Great British Pounds, you need to put the amount of Great British Pounds you deposited for your first transaction which you've got written down on your bit of paper. In the next section called quantity, you need to put the amount of ETH you received for that transaction, and then finally change the date to match the date of the transaction. All this info should be written down on your piece of paper. Once you're happy you've entered your first transaction correctly, then hit the submit and then the save button, and it will take you back to your portfolio. If you've got more transactions to add, then repeat step five over and over again, until you've added all of your transactions from your bit of paper. Okay, step six, reading your figures. So back in your portfolio screen, you'll now see, let's start again. Okay, so you're back in your portfolio screen and now you'll see to the left of the plus symbol, your Ethereum coin has data. If you tap on that data to the left of the plus symbol, it takes you to your profit and loss screen. Here you'll see a number of pieces of data. So the first one is holdings value figure. This is the current value in Great British Pounds of the Ethereum you have deposited into your Stocks FC account. Total cost figure. This is the sum of all the Great British Pounds you've deposited into your Stocks FC account. Profit and loss figure. This is how much you're currently in profit or in loss on the total amount you have deposited into Stocks FC. Average net cost, this shows the average price you have paid for all your Ethereum. Now, this includes all the fees you've had to pay when depositing. Holdings figure, this shows how much Ethereum you have deposited into the Stocks FC platform. Okay, so now you understand what each figure is for, you can easily work out your profits. So, step seven, working out your ETH profits. So you want to write down on a bit of paper your holdings figure from CoinGecko. You then go to your Stocks FC portfolio and you add together the two ETH figures from your portfolio value and your cash balance. This tells you how much Ethereum you're currently sitting on in Stocks FC. Now, bear in mind, if you've currently got any money sitting in an IPO, then this isn't going to be in your portfolio yet because obviously you're waiting for the players to be added to your portfolio at the end of the week. So it's much better to do these calculations at a point where you're not waiting for IPO stocks to be added to your portfolio. So <clears throat> here's where the magic happens. 
You take the amount of ETH in your Stocks FC account, which is your portfolio and cash balance figures added together, and then you minus off the holdings figure from your CoinGecko, and boom, this tells you how much Ethereum you've made from pulling moves on Stocks FC. Step eight, working out your Great British Pounds profit. This final step is where you work out your profits in Great British Pounds. So you take the value of your Stocks FC portfolio, which is your ETH figures for portfolio value and cash balance added together. You go to CoinGecko and in your portfolio where you see the Ethereum coin you've added, you want to tap on where it says Ethereum on the left hand side. This will take you to the price chart and above the price chart, you'll see you've got two boxes, one for Ethereum and one for Great British Pounds. So you want to put your ETH figure in the ETH box and you'll see on the right hand side that it then tells you how much that ETH is worth in Great British Pounds. Make a note of that Great British Pound figure. Now up the top, select portfolio and that will take you to your portfolio through your Ethereum coin. And then you can take the total cost figure and minus off the value you just wrote down. And this is how much profit you currently have in Great British Pounds. Okay, <clears throat> so you're now set up with the best way to track all your figures relating to Stocks FC, in my opinion. My advice to everyone is always do your figures and enter your transactions as soon as you complete your deposits. Going back and trying to work stuff out at a later date just takes longer, so get in the habit of doing it as soon as you've made a deposit. So I'm going to take you through my figures quickly so you can see it in action. Let me just add the screenshot to the top of the space. And if you're listening to this after the show, then you probably won't be able to see it, but you'll find it in the comments. So just give me one sec. Uh, do, do, do. Copy back to the space. Add another tweet, paste, and that screenshot. There we go, tweet. Okay, now it's been tweeted. I just need to go back there. Cool, so click that, that. Okay, so you should see it at the top of the space now. So, looking at that screenshot, uh, won't let me view it, that's a pain in the ass. Um, where are we? So, okay, so yeah, if you click on the photo, um, in the top half of the photo, you can see my holdings figure, which is 0 0.677 ETH. So basically, I've deposited two thirds of an Ethereum coin into Stocks FC so far. Now, if I go to my Stocks FC portfolio and add together my portfolio value, and the cash balance, I've currently got 0 0.84 ETH. So if we take the 0 0.84 ETH figure and minus off the 0 0.67 figure from my CoinGecko stats, I now know that I've made a profit of 0 0.17 ETH so far on Stocks FC. So that's how you're going to calculate you know, how much ETH you've made from making your moves on the Stocks FC platform. 
Now, in the bottom half of the photo, you'll see that I've put the 0.84 ETH figure into the left box above the price chart, which is the ETH box. And on the right hand side, it tells me how much that ETH is worth in Great British Pounds. So my Stocks FC portfolio is currently worth £1,224. And if we look at the top part of the photo, you can see my total cost figure, which is how much I've put into Stocks FC is £1,000. So I'm currently 224 quid in profit. Right, that's it, folks. More great knowledge for you. And if you follow my step-by-step -step guide, you'll realise how easy all this stuff is when you know how, which brings me nicely on to my next point. If any of you don't like using RAMP or you're having issues depositing in the crypto world, then check out the guide I wrote about depositing into Stocks FC. I'll add it to the space shortly and you'll be able to find it in the comments if you're listening to this as a recording. I get my money into Stocks FC and only pay about 2% in fees because what I've written in the guide is the cheapest way to do it, in my opinion. Also, you should follow the guide and get yourself set up regardless because it's always good to have multiple ways to get your money in and out of the, the crypto world and you know in and out of Stocks FC. So give it a go. Right. Okay, so next up is no doubt people's favourite part of the show, which is where I announce the name of a player who is being IPO'd next week. So what I can tell you is his price will be 0.00072 Ethereum, which is roughly $1.29. But you should all focus on working in ETH prices. Yeah, You want to get in the habit of doing everything on Stocks FC. You want to get in the habit of working in ETH prices. I can also tell you that from Nick the Greek's spreadsheets, he scored an average of 28 last season, uh, 6 from the team and 22 from individual. This was because his team had a bad season, but they're in the final of the Europa Conference League He's a 24-year-old midfielder who West Ham say they won't sell for less than $120 million. Yes, folks, it's Declan Rice. He is one of the free IPOs next week. Right, folks, you've heard enough of my voice for tonight. Let's open up the floor and see what people think of Declan Rice's IPO. Who wants to come up and speak? Hit that request button now. Let's get some discussion going. Whilst I wait for your requests, I did get sent one question on Discord by someone who couldn't listen in live tonight, which was, staking seems like a good way to generate additional ETH for rewards. However, why is the money that's not being used in the rewards wallets not put into staking as well? For example, team of the season wallet is just going to sit there all season. So there's several answers to this question. Firstly, the money not being used in the team of the week, team of the month wallets needs to stay there because it's a percentage of the wallet that gets paid out. And this will all be run by the smart contracts. So when the rewards get paid out at the end of the week or month, the smart contract needs the wallets to be at full capacity so it can work out the correct percentages and payout amounts. So that's why those wallets can't be put into staking. For what, as for the team of the season wallet, 
if the money was put into staking, then the wallet would show as empty on the website, which isn't a good look. Also, a lot of staking plans are 12-month lockup periods, so they wouldn't have the rewards to pay out at the end of the season if they put that money into staking because it would be locked up for 12 months. So, yeah, that's why that's not done. And the team of the season rewards are going to be juicy as hell. Hello, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. Lovely, good evening, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. You? Yeah, not bad, mate. Um, a big fan of Declan Rice going on the platform. Just wondering if um, we're going to see some sort of pattern with the players' IPO. Like, do you reckon they'll hold back some of the big hitters like Haaland and etc.? Or do you think they'll just whack them on early doors? Nah, I think I think they'd be stupid to not have uh, a very calculated schedule in the sense that you, know, you don't want all your premium players being on the platform when the season starts. You want to hold a couple back for you know, three weeks into the season, five weeks into the season. Um, personally, I would do something like, um, you know, Ivan Tony, for example, yeah, there's no point in IPO in that guy until, you know, he's ready to play football again. So, um, you know, come the start of the season, if there's a big player that's injured, um, you know, if he's out for the first four weeks of the season, then again, no point in IPO in him, hold him off. And, um, yeah, just, just play it by ear. I'm sure they've got a schedule, but it's going to be one that's flexible and always moving in the sense that, you know, as transfers come into the league, they might want to get those players onto the platform before before players that have been there for a while. So, yeah, I think they'll um, they'll hold back a few premium players, but it should be a good a good influx. Yeah, I, I don't know about you. I would absolutely love to see when the premium players are gone. Just a bunch of I don't know mid range players. Twenty of them just dropped onto the IPO at once and just let us have a free for all. True, but. With that, don't you think that there's going to be so many people that haven't got the money to get involved in all those, you know, with such a big bunch of players going on, people are going to be like, oh, I can only really, I can only really get involved in those two out of the 20. So I think for the actual... Um... Potentially, but where, where do you draw that line? You know, not, not everyone's always going to have the money available and ready. Um, I I would just like to see, I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit ambitious, but I'd like to see more than sort of 55 players on at the start of the season. Um, and seeing some of, the, some of the supply, if we can keep some of the supply low, although it doesn't look great, for us guys holding, it would be incredible long-term if we can get some of the youngsters on there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I think the way they're doing it at the moment is decent in the sense that, you know, three or four a week, if you if you keep with that pace, then by the end of the season, you're going to have all the first 11s on the platform. So, obviously, you're going to leave a lot of teams that are at risk of being relegated. You're going to leave those IPOs till later on. Um, yeah, the teams that have just come up, you'll probably leave those IPOs till a bit later on. So, I'd like to think your top 10 teams, we're going to see the majority of players on the platform within, I don't know, the first two, three, four months of the season. Um, it, it's going to create an interesting dynamic, isn't it, in terms of team of the season? 
because you're going to have Harry Kane, for example. If Haaland isn't IPO'd until a month into the season, Harry Kane's got a one-month head start on him. Yeah, that's true. It's going to make a really interesting dynamic, I think. Yeah. So, again, that's, that's something for the team to consider. And, um, and yeah, figure out and and hopefully they'll get it right. And, you know, the supplies, the supplies will be decent, but, you know, not too low. Because that's, that's the other thing. If you whack 20 players onto the platform and, you know, 15 of them don't get that much interest, then you're going to have 15 players with a, a massively low supply. And then that's when you do get your, your John McGinn, you know, at a stupidly high price because he only sold a thousand stocks during his IPO. What what do you think of of the share burn at the end? Because I had it in my head um, that it'd be a good idea to say that they're going to sell a minimum of ten thousand shares in each player. So let's say Edison sold six thousand six hundred in the first drop. It would allow them to go back later on in the season and, and try and sell the other three thousand four hundred, but without overdoing it. Um, I, I don't know what your opinion is on that. Possibly, but the problem with that is. You know, if you're holding Edison and then you've got another 3,000 shares coming onto the platform later on, it kind of devalues your hold. Um, so from an early adopter standpoint, you're kind of getting done over. Um, if, if that yeah, happens. it does. I mean, if if you know that that's going to happen, it's too late now because obviously we're into the IPOs now. Um, but if we knew that was going to happen, you'd price that in, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, like, if I knew Edison was going at a share, you know, 6,600 being sold, I bought into it because I knew the supply was low. If I knew that there was going to be another 3,400 come onto the platform, I probably wouldn't have bought. Yeah. Well, that's that's another dynamic, you know, like you say. This, it is, yeah. There's This is what I love about the platform. There's so many different aspects you've got to consider when making your purchases. Um so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Anyway, I'll step back, let somebody else speak. Appreciate your time, mate. Yeah, now stay up here as a speaker. We'll, you know, we might just jump in whenever. So, A Saint. Yeah, hi. Hello, mate. Yeah, You're all right. Good, thanks. What's, what's, your, what's your thoughts? Um, I was going to go down a similar trail to, to, to Bob, actually, but I, I guess I'd, that was quite interesting what you talked about then. I'd just changed tack slightly. In terms of player positions, what are people's views at the moment on where where the the least attractive opportunities are in terms of position? I was I was wondering about defensive midfielders being not that attractive on the platform at the moment. And then you announced Declan Rice of all people will be the next one. Um but of course I suppose that's that's up against if there's very low supply of the player because people are thinking like that, then they become more attractive again, which is part of the dynamic you were talking about. But defensive midfielders for me at the moment don't seem that attractive. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I think out of all the positions, you're probably right in the sense that, you know, they're, they're the ones that aren't going to get too many goals or assists. Um you know, maybe key passes, they'll pick a few up and obviously they're not getting the clean sheet bonuses. So, yeah, but, you know, the dynamic of the platform is if, if a, a Declan Rice has only sold 3,000 shares, then, you know, he, he might be worth getting because that one week where he does pop up with, um, you know, a, a decent score, you could see a, a lot of returns off... Um, 
of holding a, a Declan Rice with a low supply. It's like during the beta test, Robert uh, Firmino, his price, his payout per share was unreal. It was like £3.29 or something because just no one had brought him. And then obviously, because obviously he's on the bench most of the time. And then when he comes on and plays a blinder, um, yeah, he, he, he put in a massive score, won the divs and £3.29 per share was massive. So... Also, credit this to uh, Nick the Greek, who's done all the stats. He's a stats guy. Um, but Declan Rice scored pretty well last season, uh, the, considering his team score was pretty low. Um, if he moves to a bigger club, I think he could be a really, really, really strong hold. Yeah, so do I. Scoring sort of scoring low twenties on an individual score. Um, to put that into context, you've sort of got players like uh, Rodri, for example, at Man City, whose individual score was 21. So they seem to be... I, th- I think they're the sort of players that will be in for a decent shout for team of the months and team of the seasons, but probably not so much team of the weeks because they don't have enough spiky scores. I do think if you can find sort of... Like Casemiro scored quite well. Um, so for the longer-term sort of payouts these sort of players will just plod along scoring decent every single week will soon add up I think yeah you know Declan Rice in a in a decent team because his team score was six and his individual was 22 so um, who knows I mean yeah there's there's other things like you know Madison Tillemans all those types of players I don't think we expected Leicester to be have such a bad season, so you know we would have we would have expected them to maybe score higher than they did. I think it's quite a well balanced scoring matrix as well. I don't think there's any players or positions that you can really write off because they're all capable of getting those key passes from any position as well. Yeah, you know, goalkeepers are going to have value, unlike on FI when they you know no one hundred percent no one was really sure. interested in goalkeepers. I think now they're going to. They're going to be decent, so I've got myself... Especially, especially with Edison's supply. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, again, it all depends. I mean, you know, if the, the wider community don't see a value in goalkeepers um, and they all end up on the platform with fairly low supplies, then those people who did pick up goalkeepers are going to be laughing because, um, you know, that one position, you're going to have 20 players fighting for it. You could probably write off six, seven, eight of them per week. So, in yep. theory, you've got 12 players fighting for one position. And, you know, if you're holding a pool of seven or eight goalkeepers, then your odds of um, winning rewards are, are very, very decent. And, you know, for me, it's all about I want to build a portfolio where, you know, I want to be hitting seven or eight players in the team of the week every week, if possible. It's only going to be weeks where there's, um, you know, random scorers popping up that I won't have but you know once you've got seven or eight players winning you rewards every single week and that right that ETH starts rolling in which you can then reinvest the compounding effect is going to be brilliant yeah definitely agree that if you can compound your money for a season or two a few years in we're going to be absolutely laughing and then with all the IPOs coming on every every season, with with youngsters coming through, and you've got your new signings and stuff, I think that rewards pot's really going to build up really nicely as well. It's like it's going to be like the um, opposite of the pumping that we saw on FI on this platform, isn't it? Where 
where actually if you if you like a player you almost you want supply to be as low as possible so it's it's like anti pump yeah exactly and now uh, you know when um when those rewards start rolling in for those low low supply players you know there's going to be people the, the whole fomo factor is going to kick in and there's going to be people like mm. wanting to get involved wanting that player and you know he might he mm. might just be a one hit wonder it might be one week where they've played a Bournemouth and he's he's had an absolute blinder and popped up and won the rewards and you know he might he might never win rewards again and those those people are the losers of the platform in the sense that you know they'll FOMO in buy that player and then you know they're left holding that player and he he never returns anything again. So one thing I did see um, on Twitter earlier there was a guy asking, you know, are the funds ring-fenced and, you know, um, what juris- jurisdictions the company and, all, you know, does it fall under the, the UK FCA and FCSC or whatever it is? So, yeah, none of that. You know, the company based in the Netherlands um, and it's a crypto product. So, at the moment, you know, there's very little regulation in the cryptocurrency space. It's you know, kind of the wild, wild west, and uh, it's not—it's not falling under any regulatory body. So, um, after speaking to Alex last week, when he corrected me about saying it was a gambling product, he did say, you know, they're looking to go down the um, the crypto exchange licensing route. So that will provide, you know, some sort of some sort of regulation because, you know, in theory, you're buying tokens or you're buying coins. Each player is a token, each player is a coin, each player is an NFT. I don't know, well, however they classify it. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, I, I see this as a play-to-earn game. You know, you're, you're putting your money in, you're building your squad, and you're hoping that squad earns your rewards. So, you know, it's, it's very similar to the play-to-earn models that we have all over the crypto space. There's many, many games out there that have that sort of model. I think that the, the the platform's biggest challenge is going to be moving away from that FI stigma, isn't it? Um, so many people have been scarred by FI, and the product is so similar to look at and to play. It's got, it's got very similar principles, apart from obviously the sustainability mechanism and the crypto around it. I'm just wondering how they can break through that FI stigma to try and get more on board um, that were perhaps hurt by the FI scandal. I think eventually they will. I think, um, yeah, at the moment, it's just because the platform's just launched. Um, yeah, there's a lot of eyes on it from the FI community. And uh, I think over time, you know, you'll see a lot of those people, you know, getting involved and, and being cautious, rightly so. Um, but I, I think eventually all that all that stuff will die down and and people will realise that, you know, the actual mechanics of the platform are very different. And, you know, like um, A-Saint says, it's kind of an anti, anti-pump anti um, methodology in the sense that, you know, I, I, if I've got plans to buy a player, I don't want any of you lot buying him. I want his supply as low as possible. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting. And, you know, we're just going to have to weather the storm for now. I've really enjoyed some of the dialogue, to be fair. Um, it was good to see Vesp in the uh, 
in the Discord as well, having a good chat about it. And I think it's important that we sort of embrace the difficult questions because at the end of the day, the, the questions are there and they're going to benefit all of us. We're all on the same platform. And if a difficult question has an answer that we don't like, at least we're all aware of it. I'd rather know what I'm into rather than not know. So I think it's important to sort of embrace all, the, all of the difficult questions that are going to come through and they're going to come thick and fast as well along the way, especially as the platform grows. There's going to be more and more sceptics out there. Um, but it's all about engaging with that and learning from that and educating each other. Yeah, and yeah, that's why that's why I did this space last week because I saw all those questions on Twitter and I kind of thought to myself, right, let's create a platform where those lot can come up and ask the questions and we can have a discussion about it. But so far, you know, no one's no one's come in and and been asking any of those questions, unfortunately. So, you know, I was hoping I'd see Fi Bav here tonight because he's always been talking a lot on Twitter. I've had conversations with him, so I was hoping he'd turn up. And then, yeah, there's been a few others. I think they, they I reckon they probably listen back to it. And and if Fi Bav, if you do listen back to it, I really appreciate your attitude to it all. Um, very sceptic, but also open to opinions and and not completely closed off to it, which I think is really refreshing. Yeah, that's why I was hoping I'd see him here because he's he's one of the people I've managed to have a decent conversation with about it. Um, so yeah, hopefully you know they'll they'll hopefully come over the weeks because at the moment I've got a decent decent schedule planned. Um, you know I've I've got a rough idea of about 15 episodes which you know once a week that sort of takes us up to the the first couple of weeks of the season so yeah that's that's the plan and you know hopefully over the next 15 episodes we'll we'll see some of that crowd popping in and yeah I'm hoping we get some FPL crowd in as well you know I think this um I think this platform's going to be absolutely loved by the FPL community so it's only a matter of time before they all start hopping over and, and getting involved. I like that as well because with the FPL crowd, I always found that, uh, particularly So Rare, I thought they'd really enjoy So Rare. But they were all really sort of reserved towards it. I, I generalised massively here, of course, but they were all quite reserved to it. And I think the crypto w- was quite a big issue about that. But then the Limiteds came in on So Rare and, and you saw more and more getting involved. So I'm, I'm hoping now that they're sort of more comfortable around the crypto world and, and working with Ethereum, that they'd be more open to a new platform as well. So it'd be really interesting to see how that develops. It'd be really interesting to see. Um, I'm pretty sure Alex mentioned that he's got a few um, partnerships lined up along the way. So it'd be quite interesting to see who they are and what impact they can have. Yeah, I mean, I I looked at SoRare and the problem for me was the barrier of entry. At the time I looked at it, I was like, Wow this needs a lot of money just to, to build a very small team. So I could understand why that put a lot of people off in the beginning. And then I don't really know much about the limited thing that came in, but I'm guessing if it if it made the barrier of entry a lot lower and we saw FPL people getting involved, then that's, yeah, that's great potential for stocks in the sense that, you know, the barrier of entry for this is very, very, very low at the moment. Um, and it probably will remain that way for, yeah, I, I, I don't think there will be a barrier of entry in the sense that even when you get to the end of the first season and uh, Premier League player prices have started to settle, um, you know, stocks then go and add another league 
and it kind of starts all over again. So, yeah, anyone wanting to get involved will be able to get involved in, you know, all the Spanish IPOs and then they can start, you know, adding a couple of Premier League players as and when they want. And I think every time a new league gets added, it's like the barrier of entry is low. You know, you everyone, you've got the opportunity to come get involved, you know, and, and away we go sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I absolutely love So Rare. Um, I played it for, well, getting on for three years now, I think. But what I always found was the most frustrating thing was I was so bad and still am so bad at putting teams together. I'd always have the really good players in my in my collection, but I just could never find the formula. And that's where Stocks FC, to me, I don't have to find that formula. I can just buy the players, not worry about it, not worry about missing out on a bad score cause I, or a really good score because I've not picked them. And I just think that it can be a lot more laid back and, and less stressful and just, just bring more enjoyment back to football. Yeah, because I'm sure we all miss that buzz. The old the old FI days of you know watching the live rankings, watching French football and all that sort of stuff. So uh, And that horrible sorry. feeling of, of cheering for teams that you don't support because I've got yeah. Trent, I've got 200 Trents sat in the, in the gallery or whatever. So I'm just looking at the Stocks FC market cap. So 79 ETH, $143,000, which is nothing at the moment. Yeah, I think um, I think it's gonna, the market cap's going to end up being massive. You know, three, four, five seasons down the line, <laughs> these figures, we'll look back at these figures, be like, wow, remember when it was only 79 ETH? All right, over to you, Peddler. What's going on? Uh, <clears throat> right, good evening, gents. Um, yeah, it's quite, um, <laughs> it's nice to be talking about kind of uh, stocks and shares again, to be quite honest. Yeah, we've all, we've all missed those days. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I've, like, I've, um, had quite a few questions yeah, over the kind of Twitter space, et cetera, et cetera. And I think like most of us are in the same space. Like, um, you know, we, <laughs> we miss this kind of, as you said, uh, a couple of minutes ago, the whole kind of, um, evening of player tables and watching kind of rankings go up and goals going in. <clears throat> but I just think um, the most important thing, what I've said to people is just, you know, play with what you, what you can don't put in too much like we all had um a tough time of it with uh <laughs> fi um it was a product we all loved but i think what stocks have done here with the share burn and the staking wallet and uh, i'm not going to say guarantees but the, the the things they've put in place really just hopefully you know makes this sustainable that's probably the one thing which i keep saying to people who ask me questions does that kind of make sense yeah, I mean, you know, products in this in this sector, you know, that's that's what ever, they've all been missing is the sustainability yeah. side, and you know, at some point there is going to be one that comes along that nails it, and happy days, you know, there's our entertainment factor yeah. back. Um, you know, I, I'd I'd much rather be pumping money into stocks than wasting money on twenty pound accumulators to get that entertainment factor. So. Yes, and I, I, yeah. one thing I will kind of, the, the one concern I do have, and I think it's been raised by quite a few people on tonight and over Twitter, is long term, the amount of shares on offer. 
But the th- every time I keep going back to that, I think to myself, well, there's 18 decimal places. And the 18 decimal places mate, has a huge factor, like long term to the product. Yeah. So funny enough, when the platform first started, I, um, I sat down and I tried to do some share burn calculations. And I was working off a player sending out 100,000 shares and trying to figure out by the end of his career, you know, if it was a, a wonder kid coming on the platform at 18 and he was retiring at the age of 36, over that course of 18 years, how much would the share burn decrease his supply? Yes. And no matter how many times I ran the calculations and just played around with the figures, I was like, it's, it's not going to have that bigger impact in the sense you're never going to get down to a point where a guy that sells 100,000 shares, he's never going to be sitting at 10, 15, 20,000 yeah. shares. Yeah, the share burn's never going to have that much of an impact. Yes. Uh, I suppose the caveat to though, and the, the caveat to that is, and this is a little bit of a concern, is, you know, let's use, um, I don't know, um, uh, Edison's a poor example because he's a keeper, but use... Um, Kane, for example, and he sold, what was it, 30,000? Yeah. And how, how much will that affect it in two years' time? You know, roast into glasses, being a United fan, Kane's playing for United next year, scores 30 goals a season for two years. You know, will those shares start to, you know, how, what would the value of those shares do? And that's my only concern. Is there, is there going to be enough? And someone muted a, a, a kind of like share split but that's not going to work in this program. But I suppose the answer to that is you know, the 18 decimal places again. So just to um, format. just to stick my nose in there a little bit, and I found myself thinking the same thing. But the solution to all of this for myself is to think of it in terms of owning a percentage of that player. Yeah. And that's where the addition of that inside the portfolio has been really helpful. Yeah, so now I know for a fact that I own 2% of James Madison, for yeah. example. Um, and so I'm, and I'm finding it with the IPOs as well as that I'm leaving it as late on as possible, and I'm working out how much is it going to cost me to buy one percent of that player's shares. Hey, how how nice is that as well, too, Bob? In terms of <laughs> rather than sitting there f- uh, finger fast trying to buy and sell within, you know, as yeah, oh, it's so refreshing. Yes, it is, isn't it? Panicking that your phone's not loading on time, you know, all that kind of jazz in terms of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's... I'm, I'm just finding myself being far more calculated than previously because I've yep. not got to FOMO in. Yes. Well, it, it's funny you say that because I watched um, I watched one of the IPOs finish the other day, and I couldn't believe how many people left it to the last ten seconds to buy. Now you imagine if your phone freezes or Guilty. if something happens in that in that last ten seconds then you're missing out on getting those shares. So, yeah, I was, I was a bit gobsmacked at how many buys went through in, like, the last 30 seconds of the IPO. Because me, personally, if I'm looking at the supply, I'll be like, right, cool, I'm going to buy some. You know, let's buy with two or three minutes to go, just in case there's any technical hitch. I don't want to miss, you know, I don't want to miss out on them. Um, I did it with Rashford. I bought another 20 in Rashford in the last three seconds. Uh, but I already had what I wanted, but I just wanted to round it up to be 1%. So that's why I was working it. And I wouldn't have been that devastated if I missed out, but it was just for my OCD that I wanted to get 1% of Rashford. 
yeah, anyone with OCD, you're going to have to change your mentality. It's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This platform is not OCD friendly. Um, I suppose the only last question I'll ask is, and again, uh, this is something that kind of plays on my mind, uh, uh, and we don't want the company to have to upscale really, really quickly because we don't want it to be, you know, too quick and you know all over like fi so but how are the company going to market this how are they going to you know make this known to the wider world that is a, a sustainable product and you know carry on in that res- in, in that res- respect basically yeah it'd be interesting to see what their marketing plans are um yeah me personally you yeah you, know, you focus on the uk for this season and you're going to get you know random other countries getting involved so you know people like greek from greece and you know i'm sure you'll be able to run some stats and see that the next biggest territory is greece or it's spain so then you know do a bit of marketing there and then you know release the spanish league and i think season after season if you're if you're looking at the data correctly and moving into the right territories that have got a bit of traction then it's just going to tick over nicely every season you're just going to sort of you know just move throughout Europe and you know you could spend the next 10 years doing that in the sense you know you've got the the top five European leagues and then obviously with the company being based in in the Netherlands I'm sure there's going to be you know a, a a fair bit more marketing that happens in that region. So adding the Dutch league would make sense. Um, and then you've got leagues like Portugal and Belgium. Um, you know, you'd want those on the platform because a lot of youngsters, a lot of talented players come from those leagues into the major European leagues. And then, you know, if you, you even want to then, you know, five, six years down the line, you want to go and conquer America. You know, you add, you add the MLS and you add the Brazil Serie A, and that you know that gives the the people that have been on the platform for a long time. It gives them that option of picking out the next wonder kid from a Brazilian Santos or Palmeiras team that before he you know he ever reaches Europe, sort of thing. So yeah, the whole using your football knowledge things back as well in the sense you know once they've expanded to lots of territories. Um, yeah, you can you can start picking off those wonder kids again, and yeah, you know, like you say, people don't know about them. They come onto the platform with a low supply, and then two years later they blow up. Yeah, you know, you're sitting there laughing because your knowledge got you into a wonder kid that's got a half, you know, a fairly low supply, and then when he starts winning rewards, happy days. Yeah, that's... just to add to that, as... just... sorry, go on, mate. No, no. What I'm going to say is, uh, uh, you yeah, know, that show is rubbish, so don't buy him when he IPOs. On a serious note, like, obviously I'm, I'm going to be massive on Garnacho because he is a massive talent. But one thing I would say is, um, yeah, again, th- there's no gimmicks at the moment, and I hope they stick with that. That's the one thing I will say. There are previous products, and dare I say, even um, you know, products that are around now, it's be- they're becoming gimmicky, and it's really important that they stick true to the the, the, the platform and what it's about. So hopefully, I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I know what you're uh, talking about. Is about so, uh, so rare. Actually, uh, hello everyone. I'm I'm probably the only non-UK person here. So hello to everyone. 
but uh, I wanted to add that uh, I think the Premier League is a very good starting point because like everyone watches it. So like <clears throat> when I got involved in So Rare, it was quite uh, it was very frustrating, you know, trying to find team news and stuff like that for like the the Dutch league and stuff like that. So I think it will help uh, the product grow, and from then onwards, I'm I'm pretty sure they'll find you know the the golden rule. But uh, but as you were saying with gimmicky stuff, I I think you were referring to Sorare, which as I was mentioning earlier, it's kind of like they've turned towards a collectability thing, so like a panini. Yeah. But that doesn't justify the price of the players. Like no one will pay 200k for a unique Mbappe that has no actual you know value. Yeah, I wasn't just mentioning Sorare, like FI, and it's in its kind of uh, latter stages was very very gimmicky. You know, and so it wasn't just Sorare. I'm not bashing Sorare. I quite like it, but it's not it's not for me, Sorare, unfortunately. So I've tried it, and it's does it didn't work for me. So I'm of the opinion that the, the two platforms just just can't be compared. They're two completely different animals. Um, I have a huge amount of respect for what Sorare have done. They're huge, and I think they'll continue being huge. But we're in a completely different field here. This is talking about stocks. This is this isn't. We're not actually buying physical NFTs like you do on so rare so they're two completely different animals in my opinion yeah absolutely spot on yeah and i've never played so rare so i can't chime in on that but welcome greek good to see you up here and um you know kudos for all the all the spreadsheet and stuff you know all the work you've been doing it's been um quality content you've been putting out so thank you for that yeah no worries you have to you have to thank the work from home so like that gives me a bit of you know time to to do the research but uh but yeah it's very you know it's very nice having that buzz again because like Sorare didn't work for me as well because you had such uh, fluctuations in prices and you had uh, you know a team of five people I couldn't do the team picking so like I think I ran for like one two months and then I just quit because it was too expensive and I don't know I found it too stressful but uh, yeah, I'm feeling you know very positive about uh, stocks. Like it's a very interesting concept, very well built. It has the sustainability, you know, the the transparency, which are very important stuff to dissociate with uh, FI. So yeah, looking forward to to see what they've got in store for us. Yeah, and I think you know the barrier of entry is so low that your guy that's putting a hundred pound a month in on payday is going to be able to build an awesome portfolio. And, you know, for that £100, you're going to get a massive entertainment factor. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of money well spent in the sense that, you know, the whole buzz of what we all felt during the FI days is back. And, you know, you've got a mix of sort of the FPL buzz in there as well. So, yeah, it looks promising. It looks very promising. Yeah. Uh, on another note, I'm I'm quite curious on how the team, you know, it's planning on uh, doing the IPOs. So, like, are you gonna IPO the big players now? Are you gonna wait towards the season? Because, like, you saw Ederson. He, I think his market cap is around six k, while Kane it's forty five k. So you can tell the difference on how it affects the wallet because you need to fill up the wallet a bit. Uh, come the season starts so that people you know they're more intrigued by the returns because that's always an aspect like entertainment is one part of it but uh, prices and you know uh, return on investment is another quite uh, interesting part of it 
So on that note, like I, I, I was thinking that if they do like three, four IPOs a day, uh, a week, sorry, that means that, you know, you go for a big player and then a medium player and then a rotational. So like I'm, I'm very curious to see how they've planned it out. But, you know, I, I trust uh, that they have done good research and I could be completely wrong. I'm under the, under the impression that they haven't released any sort of structure in terms of who they're going to be releasing. And I believe that that is probably because they have internal targets that they want to hit in terms of income before the season starts. And if they're a little way off of it, then I can see them dropping a Haaland to early doors or a Bruno Fernandes, you know, somebody that we know is going to, going to sell really well like Kane did. I, I expect the target is probably around that 250 grand mark that's, that keeps being mentioned for the rewards part. And if they get close to that, then I, I think that they might hold off on some of the bigger guys. But if they feel like they need to really ramp it up a little bit to try and get that to that target, whatever their target might be, then we will start to see the big dogs starting to drop onto the platform. The one yeah. thing I wanted um, to say about uh, that was, is how do they keep the interest until the new season? Because that's the one thing, that's another sticking point, isn't it? We're all sitting here now and we've got two, three months until the new season, the, the rewards payout, because that's going to be the real seller to people when rewards are being paid out. Currently, obviously, we're going to sit and wait. And obviously, hopefully, we're all sitting in a space where we're like, oh, yeah, cool, we'll buy these and we'll sit and wait because hopefully next season it's going to be really cool. And But how are they going to keep everyone interested and how they're going to build the excitement over the next two or three months? That's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I think um, yeah, ev- everyone's got to be aware that the next three months are going to be quiet in the sense that it's closed season. Yeah, there's no football on and it is just the case of, yeah, you know, this is the time to build your portfolio. I mean, I'm fully expecting the transfer market to be dead. Yeah, in the sense that, you know, why would you buy on the transfer market when you can buy at IPO price? Um, and I think it'll just it'll just tick over nicely and simmer for the next, you know, couple of months. And then as the season approaches and that that first month of the season where you've got rewards rolling in. And people start posting, you know, on Twitter and, yeah, they start showing off their rewards kind of thing. I think that's when you're going to get a massive influx of sign-ups. And at that point, you need you need a Haaland in the back pocket. You need a, a Bruno Fernandes. You need those types of players to, um, you know, create that excitement for the new sign-ups coming in because that will then create a massive snowball effect. And before you know it, two, three months into the season, we could have seen the number of sign-ups double or triple just because they've held the right IPO players in their back pocket for the right time. And as interest starts ramping up, then they start dropping the big players. Now, until then, to keep people interested, I mean, yeah, let's take Declan Rice, for example. I would see Declan Rice as the mid the mid-tier player that they're releasing this week. Um, looking at looking at who they've already IPO'd, for me, the, another player for this week would have to be a premium defender. Yeah, because we've only got one defender on the platform at the moment who's an absolute sick note. So, you know, you, you've got to be dropping a... I wouldn't say Trent. And, you know, I think Andy Robinson might be a good one. Um, yeah, uh, there are a bit of transfer rumors on Robertson. Saw some Real Madrid rumors, so okay, that, well, that must be taken. But, but but I think like they need to you know drop some nuggets 
So like keep the like it's all about balance. Having some good IPOs but not the best. So like I would I think Haaland would be around the start of the season. You know to capitalize on all the people that have joined the uh, seeing football start. But like you can have a a Bruno or a Trent. You you have a lot of like elite players. You have 20, 30 elite players. So like even if you release like let's say one per week, that's 12 elite players by the season start. So yeah, exactly that. So. Yeah, by the time the season starts, you've released 12 elite players and you've still got 18 in the back pocket to, you know, drop during the the next 18 weeks of the season, which then just creates that, you know, that just the consistency of good IPOs on the platform, new users coming in. um, You know, those IPOs are complemented by a mid-tier player and a low-tier player. So, you know, for me this week, I I would like to see... You know, I don't know, someone like a Pedro Porro or, um, you know, a, a decent wing-back, basically. You don't want to buy a Pedro Porro. He's absolutely rubbish, <laughs> lad. Leave him alone. Uh, I was pretty, yeah, yeah, he's terrible. I, I don't but, suggest anyone buying him. Yeah, he's shocking. All right, well, you, you lot don't buy him. I'll, I'm getting myself some Porro because I'm a Spurs fan and he takes a lot of shots and I think he's going to be a decent... Can you imagine old, two, two Spurs fans in one chat? That's a bit weird. To be, to be fair, the Spurs fans have got to hold on to something, haven't they? So... Uh, don't you start. Get your hands but off yeah. Harry Kane, mate. So, you know, Alex is only going to give me one name per week. Um, so I would like to hope that what he does is he sits down and one week I get a premium name, the next week I get a mid-tier name, and then the following week I get a low-tier name, and then another premium, another mid-tier, another low-tier. I hope that's how he, he works it in giving me the IPO names. And then, you know, I, I I think they really need to balance it and have a really good plan in place where every single week you've got a very decent player, but it's got to match what's already been IPO'd, which is why this week it's got to be a, it's got to be a good defender. Yeah, because we've already got one, two, three, four forwards. We've got one, two, three four midfielders, one goalkeeper and one defender. So, for me, a premium defender this week is is a must. And then I would probably, a low tier, I mean, I don't know, maybe a Villa player, a little Alex Moreno as well. You know, get another, get two defenders on the platform. Tyrone Mings. Tyrone Mings. <laughs> yeah. I think that we've uh, we were a bit spoiled by the beta IPOs because, like, apart from Reese, uh, they were all pretty like elite top scoring players. So, like, now that you see, you know, the rotational players, you're a bit disappointed. But like, they they need to manage ex- expectations and you know have like a cycle that they follow. Yeah, I mean, I I you know the IPOs this week, I think they kind of got it spot on in the sense that. You know, I probably wouldn't have gone with Curtis Jones. I would have gone with a, a defender, a, a half-decent fullback. But, you know, we needed a goalkeeper. Um, Alexis McAllister is a, a decent midfielder that, you know, there's there's a lot of interest around at the moment. So, I think they, they did pretty well with the IPOs this week. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what comes next week. But like I say, I'm... I'm putting Declan Rice as the mid-tier player. So I'd expect someone better and someone worse. Maybe controversial, but I'd quite like to see um, an IPO week per position. 
So instead of having a mix of positions, having them right this week, we've got three goalkeepers. Next week, we have three defenders, then three midfielders, then three forwards. I think that'd be really interesting. Um, and then it'll be quite easy to differentiate between the tiers because you can see from their stats who's going to be top tier, mid tier, and who's going to be a bit of a punt. That'd be quite a nice way of getting them in, I think. Uh, I, I think that people would, uh, you know, I, as as a like uh, uh, customer, I think I would prefer having different uh, different positions because that gives you know a bit more. I don't know. It's like a psychological thing that doesn't affect it, but like you don't buy your competition. You know, you choose and pick from what you're given. But that's just me, you know. No, I, I agree. I like um, uh, I like the the different positions each week in the sense, you know, I'm trying to build a, a squad. So when those three players get IPO'd, you know, I'm I'm looking at areas of my squad that I want to improve. So for me, if you're IPOing three defenders and I've already got my defender pool sorted, then that week I'm just gonna be like, nah, unless there's someone amazing in there that's on my list, I'm just gonna swerve it and and yeah, won't be interested in IPOs that week because yeah, another thing we've all got to manage is our budgets. In the sense, I'm sure a lot of people have got quite trigger happy in the first few weeks. I know I have during the I, the beta IPOs. I I spent a lot more than I'd planned to. So yeah, it's all about managing budgets as well. Whilst we're waiting for any requests, um, just going back to the share burn thing. Um, it's going to be, we're going to have a much better idea come the end of the first season. So, you know, once we see how many shares Harry Kane has burned, because Harry Kane's a very good example, I think. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of interest in him. He's going to be a player that's winning rewards. And, um, you know, it, it, there's going to be people FOMOing in, wanting to get involved in him. So, his activity on the transfer market is going to be pretty good, I reckon. So, come the end of the first season, seeing what his share burn percentage is, is going to be, you know, a great gauge for the future. And it'll be a very, very interesting stat to look at. So, that's why I've created the stats, super stats segment, you know, because I want to be putting these stats out every week. So, we can see the percentage burn on each player. We can see how many shares have been burnt for each player. We can see their supplies and... Yeah, gradually it'll grow, and when it gets to sixty-one players, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, speaking about Kane, um, I noticed like I, I think that you know people were very excited and they kind of tried to flip some players. So you're seeing a bit of a decrease now, but but the decrease on Kane is uh, actually quite interesting. Uh, it's larger than the other ones, and I'm I'm curious to see whether people are starting, you know, to realize the effect of supply. So, like, uh, calculating return on investments, uh, like on an assumed uh, 250k wallet, you see that uh, I think Ederson is at 17%. So, like, you need him to win five and a half times and he'll give you your money back. While for Kane, it's something like 2%. So, I'm curious to see, like, you know, what, what, whether people are realizing that supply is a very important factor and they're like, okay, yeah, I thought that Kane would win, would, would win me more dividends and that's not the case. So, like, you know, you see a big sell-off now. Like, it's 25% down. So, I, I don't know if you've, you know, if you have any inputs on that, but I, it, was, it was quite interesting, you know, seeing it. Yeah, I mean, you know, during the, the, the beta IPO, I 
did purchase some extra cane to sell off. Um, but then I sort of held off and I, I just think that the amount of times Kane's going to win, um, I, I'd just rather have that constant stream of rewards coming in. Um, so at the moment, yeah, I've not put any up for sale. But um, yeah, I, the thing is, a lot of people aren't, they're not going to realise about supply until you know six months into their journey. Um, and it's going to be a big sort of light bulb moment when they realise how key it is. Um, but then, you know, players, you know, like Kane's ROI, if he's winning on a very regular basis, then, you know, eventually you're going to get there because, you know, he, he wins so much. He'll be winning, you know, he's on pens. He picks up a few team, two team of the weeks, which then means he wins team of the month. If he does that a few times throughout the season, then it's very likely he'll be in team of the year. So, yeah, you know, a player like Kane, a regular scorer, if he if he does well, then he's going to get a lot of interest and those shares are going to get burnt. And Especially when he's in the you know, uh, red shirt. Uh, when he's in the red shirt, that's going to be massive, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, that will be amazing as a United yeah. fan myself. <laughs> I know. I think the Kane one is massively interesting because he is one of the you know the marquee players in the Premiership. As long as he stays in the Premiership, it's going to be really like a in terms of the share burn and the amount of stocks on offer. If the if the product does do well, it's going to be a mass. It's going to be so interesting to watch because his price could you know as, as we say he could rocket because there's only X amount of shares on sale. So. And that's why I go back to that point, which really interests me, is the 18 decimal place, because you know there's not going to be a um, you know a, uh, a share split. It, we will stick with those. Uh, hopefully, we will stick with those 18 decimal places. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where you'll be trading below a below a decimal place sort of thing. I think um, yeah, even. Because it's a one percent, so even when you start getting down to a hundred shares left, um, yeah, I, I just don't think we'll ever see decimal places. And yeah, Kane Kane's going to be such a good case study at the end of the season in the sense that you're going to be able to use him to then gauge all the other players on the platform with regards to how many shares they might burn. Um, and then, yeah, that's that's just going to give people a lot more valuable information when they're making their decisions on who to buy and that sort of thing. I, I feel like I have so many things that I want to talk about, but I, I don't want to derail, you know, the, the whole, like, you know, conversation. Uh, we some feedback regarding the, the team of the month and team of the season, uh, you know, logic. So basically, it counts the whole games. So people that actually play in Europe, they have a greater chance of uh, being in team of the month team of the season so so that's going to be quite interesting you know how it factors in but but i guess that's for for another show yeah i mean you know again it's just another dynamic of the platform you know those those players that are playing twice a week um uh, versus those players that only play at the weekend so um you know this is where we're going to see supply come into it so much in the sense that those little random players that, that play just at the weekend, 
you know, if they put up a high score and get a decent score and bag the rewards, then with a low share count, you're laughing because your your return per share is going to be huge. But then on the flip side, you've got the players that play twice a week. Yeah, they've got a bigger supply, but they're going to be winning rewards more regularly. So, yeah, it's a fine balancing act and it's going to be very interesting. You know, like I say, I think the transfer market's going to be dead for the next, you know, three, four, five months. You're only going to have people that are coming onto the platform They've they've missed an IPO of a player they want in their portfolio. Um, otherwise, you know they're going to be coming onto the platform and getting involved in the the next IPO. So until we get a month into the season and people start thinking about fixture lists, you know, upcoming, you know, that team's got a good run of fixtures that month. You know, it's worth buying that player because you know he, he might have a good chance of winning team of the month and all that sort of stuff. Until that comes into play, then, yeah, I'm not expecting much activity on the transfer market. And at the moment, it's just all about building our portfolios. Yeah, this is quite key, though, because how do stocks keep the momentum going for the next two and a half months until that next season goes? So it's absolutely key in how they kind of market themselves and build that momentum. Because at the moment, it's very, it seems good and there's lots of people asking questions but it could fizzle out very quickly on the negative side of things. Yeah, it could. And that's why on my stats sheet, I've put the registered Stocks FC accounts because, you know, I'm interested to track that over the next three months. You know, if we've got 100 people coming onto the platform a month, um, or I don't know, it'd be interesting to see what the figure is next week um, just to get an idea of how many people have been on, you know, come onto the platform in one week. But yeah, it's definitely something I'll, I'll track and keep an eye on. Um, but I, I think, yeah, it's, I think at the moment, you know, we're right at the end of the season, so everyone's kind of winding down. Um, it's only going to be sort of mid July when everyone starts, you know, FPL release their stuff, and everyone starts, you know, looking at fantasy football again and. You know, it's just the whole football aspect picks up as the season's approaching. I think, you know, with the right marketing at that point, Stocks FC could really start seeing an influx of users. And until then, you know, I think the community is doing a good job, um, you know, answering questions on Twitter, putting tweets out, showing off the platform. And, um, yeah, I think that will just keep it ticking over. Right. Uh, yeah, it was very sorry. Uh, sorry, last thing, but it was uh, interesting that we apparently we have eight hundred uh, users that have tried to deposit. So, like, I, I think that's quite successful given you know how far away payday is and uh, how early the platform. So, like, as as everyone wants here, I'm pretty sure that we want you know sustainable growth. We don't want to pump and dump. So, like, as long as you know it's natural growth, I'm just fine waiting. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Actually, we've not we've not been through a payday yet, have we? In the sense that, yeah, when the the first public IPO launched was only last week. So, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. So maybe maybe three weeks down the line, see see what the registered accounts figure is. Or I want to get another figure off Alex. I want to get active accounts. So accounts that have got more than zero in their portfolio. I want to try and start tracking that. So no doubt you'll listen back to this and hopefully you can sort that out for me.
All right, so yeah, closing thoughts. Um, I'd like to see Alex put out a shiny new matrix with info that provides clarity on all the questions I've seen over the last week. So, you know, I think the matrix needs to have detailed info on it where it says only goalkeepers and defenders get the minus four points for a goal conceded. Um, All players get the 20 plus points for a win, even if they've only come onto the pitch for one minute. Um, if your player gets subbed off when your team's got a clean sheet, um, you know, those points aren't locked in. Um, you know, your player loses the clean sheet even if he's been subbed off and he's on the bench. So I think he needs to put a new matrix out that clarifies a lot of the questions that have been asked in the Discord. We've seen some good updates to the platform this week with the market cap info being set live and I believe the colour coordination stuff and the rejigging of the IPO layout will be implemented very soon. So maybe Sunday night when they take the take the site down for their weekly maintenance. And then, yeah, like I said earlier, yeah, I've got a decent schedule planned to do a weekly show, taking us right up until about a month into the new season. So I'm here for the foreseeable future. And, you know, looking forward to having plenty of guests on. So I'm hoping you guys that are listening regularly, you know, come talk to me. Let's um, let's find a, a topic you want to discuss about Stocks FC and, you know, let's, let's create a show and create some content about it. The eight-step guide I've created, so that is on Medium. And I am going to share it in the space now, which means it will be in the comments for anyone listening to the recording. Okay, well, thanks for tuning in. See you again next week. I don't know which day it's going to be, but Thursday or Friday, around a similar time. And, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in.